0: Hi and welcome back to another episode of OA on Air via social distancing. This week, Dan Kennedy of WGBH and Northeastern University joins us to talk about media coverage amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. And in two minutes with Tom, Tom and I talk about the next steps for Massachusetts and the country in opening back up and establishing a new normal.
1: All right, Cayenne, we're back here on OA on Air. This is not quite three to one go. It's kind of like ready, set, go, but that's all right. <laughs> um, we have a terrific interview this week with Dan Kennedy as part of the uh, uh, the program. We do. I want to talk briefly with you about anxiety, particularly COVID-19, coronavirus anxiety, um, because I find myself in a strange position. I'm not really sure why, that my level of just kind of panicked anxiety has significantly decreased even though basically the, the news continues to get worse and worse the economy continues to get worse um, as we sit here now there's, there's new data that suggests Massachusetts is going to be much worse off than we thought um, but my peak of anxiety in terms of feeling like what the heck is going on it was probably four or five weeks ago, and, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe it's just because households uh, are adjusting to this. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? I think there's
0: probably a little bit of a sense of numbing to it as well, right? I mean, you can't maybe the you it. can't read paper, you can't open social media, you can't find a website that is not fully covering the COVID crisis. So it's a little bit all consuming. And at a certain point, you're just like, okay, so this is, this is life now. Um, I think at the beginning, I was not as concerned. And I don't know that I'm more concerned now, but it's more that the more people that I'm hearing, whether it's first person or second person that have gotten the virus is just a reminder that like, okay, myself and my family are not, we're like, we're not all guaranteed to be protected, and that that this won't hit me even closer um I think my the precautions I'm taking I've gotten a little bit you know as I said when we were talking to Dan, I've gotten a little bit stricter about um being better about you know wiping down my groceries and things that come into the house I mean the amount of packages I have delivered from Amazon alone, and a sheer attempt just to keep my six year old entertained um you know, they come in, and every time I'm like, oh, he wants to rip open the boxes. I'm like, okay, now go wash your hands, and you know, all of those things. Um, I've gotten a little bit better about. I think as the weeks have gone by.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if it's anxiety. I think
0: it's, just a, I think it's just awareness.
1: Yeah, I I think you know becoming accustomed to it, getting the new habits, numbing. It's a good it's a good way of putting it. I think that's all that's all true. Um, and there's plenty of reason to be anxious. Uh, that's, that, that's for sure. You've got, you've got a, you've got a really young, uh, child. I've got relatively young and impressionable, impressionable, uh, boys. So I, you try to I'm always up trying to be upbeat and, but you know, someone on the street said to me, gee, you think we're going to have to live like this forever? I, you know, I might say eh, maybe, I hope not. I, 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 I maybe not forever, but, we're definitely going to change our habits and that's I, i'm most fascinated by that which is which of the way you know what are the things that we are adapting to that are going to become at least partially permanent parts uh you know uh parts of uh, of, of life uh, and, and i think some of the social distancing stuff is gonna stick you know i think we may have talked about this uh, either in a offbeat con- in a you a side conversation maybe on our last uh, podcast, you know, not in a hurry to start shaking hands again, you know, just, or, or hugging yeah. people, uh, you know,
0: I think, I think the new normal is going to be a very real thing. What that looks like, um, you know, depending on who you're talking to or what industry you're looking at, um, it's, uh, you know, restaurants may never have capacity the way they had them before tables, you know, they may all have to just permanently remove, you know, Thirty That's to fifty yeah, you, know, right. um, yeah. you know what does a concert look like uh what does school look like for kids when you know when they go back is it do we have to have more classrooms and more teachers because we can't have as many kids in a classroom um and all of the you know office space uh do you know we were talking to a client this morning is it, is it going to be that you stagger your team that you know there's on days and off days um you know it's It is, the new normal will be certainly very interesting. I just think we're still a a ways away from even knowing what that's going to look like. And I think it's going to come in phases too. Um, uh, You know, I think the most real moment I've had amidst all of this was my son and I were going over to the local school nearby to play basketball. Just him and I, we weren't playing with anyone else. Uh, We brought our own basketball um until about 2 weeks ago when we walked over and they were taking the hoop down and it i mean i think in that moment it just kind of crushed his little spirit for a little bit and that was that was a hard moment to have to witness for him and then to explain more thoroughly what this is all about
1: yeah well wow, that is hard i'm sorry i'm sorry about that that's that's tough and um i'm sure you're getting logan and your family through it just like everybody is but uh Hang in there.
0: Hats off to all of us. We're just, you know, we're all doing what we can to survive. And that's, that might look differently on different days, but I think every single person out there is doing the best they can. And that's all we can do right now.
1: Agreed. All right, Cayenne. good talking to you again. You too. Joining us on OA On Air is Dan Kennedy, professor from Northeastern University, journalist, uh, noted media critic, and a, uh, a repeat guest on OA On Air here with myself, Cosmo Masero and Kyan Isaacson. Dan, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me on. Excellent. First question, of course, is how are you hanging in there and how are things uh, from your remote location?
2: Well, you know, so far, uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. Uh, My wife and I are both in education. Uh, We're both working remotely. Uh, So we're home, which is good because we're safe. Uh, And we're working and getting paid, which is also good. Uh, And we are well aware of the fact that there are so many people out there who are uh, either uh, putting themselves in danger by doing important work or they're not getting paid, and they're wondering how they're going to make ends meet.
1: Indeed, yeah, the economic repercussions uh, of this shutdown are just are just unimaginable, and 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 the whole other crisis, along with the public health crisis that uh, that we're all dealing with, and that some people have been um, uh, really individually uh, devastated by. So, I want to start with, and I'm interested uh, in, in the perspective of, of yourself as. Uh, a media expert, and also my colleague Cayenne, from her perspective and similar to mine in, in, in public affairs, we're all experiencing this daily series of briefings, uh, what, depending on what state you're in, uh, how your governor is approaching this, uh, if you live near a big municipality, whatever it may be. But I think everyone is experiencing, in one way or the other, the daily press briefing out of the White House. Um, and... Uh, Often more than two hours, much of it occupied by the president, and and, uh, you know it is um, the first thing that comes to mind. Dan is people have referred to it as a classic example of the rose garden strategy. But how effective is that strategy if 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 the president seems increasingly disconnected with reality during these briefings?
2: Um, Well, you know. I've thought about these briefings quite a bit. And I have to say, I really haven't subjected myself to his briefings in real time. But uh, I follow the coverage of them. I see the clips. I see people going berserk on Twitter. Um, I think that these briefings are a real problem because he is spewing uh, a litany of falsehoods. And people sometimes act on these falsehoods. I mean, uh he was putting out uh, um, endorsements of completely unproven drugs. And there are some examples of people being injured or even dying as a result of that, and people actually needing those drugs, not being able to get them. And it just seems to me that, that given his um, miserable relationship with the truth, that it would be more responsible if news organizations would either Run the briefings later after they've had a chance to do some fact checking or maybe even just cover them as a news story and and not uh, give him two hours of um, running video every single <laughs> night.
1: Uh, yeah, th- th- that's definitely an opinion. And, and I, I I don't know if I share it 100 percent, but I got to tell you, everyone, myself included, reached that conclusion recently when. I mean, he rolled out a full-on campaign video as part of an official government briefing, and, and it and it was you could you could feel producers and networks across the country you know hitting that <laughs> hitting that button to to shut that down. Oh yeah, and, uh, you know. It, so I, I I think people experience that in different ways. I mean, I, I've made it a point to try to watch as long as I can, just because I you know I think it's a moment in history where we're seeing something that we've never seen and we'll and we'll probably hopefully, you know, with the help of God never see again. But it but it is an amazing uh, uh and 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 uh devastating moment we're living through. Kind of what do you th- I mean do do you watch it regularly? Do you not watch it? Do you avoid it?
0: Um I avoid it. I don't watch it. I share uh share Dan's dance feeling. Um you know I think it goes to the larger narrative I think that we're all talking about which is that these times are are so abnormal and everyone is honestly doing whatever they can to get from day to day it's we are all in a little bit of survival mode and I think that with that survival mode comes uh, preservation of sanity and for me um, opening myself up to that on a daily basis I don't think would really do anything for my sanity at this point it's not as if you know, Cosmo, to your point, this is an unprecedented time. I, I, yes, I hope we never see anything like this again. It would be really nice to tune into a presidential briefing every day that made you feel a little bit better, that made you feel like this is being handled, that we're on, a, we're on the right track, that there was a level of confidence and a level of comfort being exuded from, from the leader of the free world. Um, because that is not the case, Self-preservation and sanity prevails, and I do not tune in.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That, that's a good. That's a good segue into something I wanted to say, which is, I think, even even him, even the pre- Donald Trump, after everything that we have seen during his administration, probably could have said, okay, this is it, this is the moment, and I need to and I need to do this right, and even he could have repositioned himself during this crisis and in some way every day been a, a, an appropriate or at least passable source <clears throat> of uh encouragement and, and and positive thinking and and uh uh and and calm to the country if he really tried at it and Maybe he was trying to do that by ignoring all of the evidence early on and saying we're going to be fine. I don't think he was. I think he was just being himself. But he probably could have accomplished some version of I'm going to be a leader. He always lets us down, though, doesn't he? He always lets you down Uh, or, 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 or he always lives up to the very low expectations, which is almost nothing in terms of being a leader. But it would have been nice if this was the moment he chose to, to, to somehow be a, a soothing presence. And in fact, he's an inflammatory and, and, and agitating and sort of a frightening presence as president. Right, Dan?
2: Well, that's right. And I mean, this is who he is. He simply doesn't have the psychological makeup to do any sort of uh, pivoting, uh, such as you suggest. Uh, and you say... It would be nice if we could uh, look at the at our leader and feel some comfort in that. Well, I have to say, I think that um, Governor Baker's briefings have been excellent. Uh, obviously, Governor Cuomo has gotten a lot of um, uh, good reviews in New York. And it's not as if things are all wonderful in New York and Massachusetts. Uh, but we are going through a crisis. There's only so much that government can do. Uh, but at least you get the feeling when you watch people like Governor Baker and Governor Cuomo that they're at least uh, trying as hard as they can uh, to do the best job that they can for us. And you just don't get that from President Trump. No, you don't. Um, all right, let's, let's shift gears a little
1: bit just to, to the media coverage. We've talked about one element of it, which is <clears throat> what's the right decision with regard to these briefings? Um what has been your impression overall of of how the media here in Massachusetts is covering this from a public service perspective as well as and a, a you know a, a more detailed and kind of the angles that uh, that we're finding also the evolution of the story you know every day there is uh you know the infection count and the death count, but there's but there's new elements and features of the coverage every day and i wonder what what are some of your? Um, uh, the, the things you've really been impressed by, and maybe some of the things you think we could, uh, the media could do better. And Cayenne, I'm interested also because you and I have talked about this quite a bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that you know nationally, I think that the um, the the leading national newspapers, the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, have done an absolutely terrific job of covering this. Uh, as we move down regionally, um, I think that we're very lucky in Massachusetts that there are a few news organizations that um, have really not caught what they're doing and are going out there and doing a terrific job every day of telling the story of what's happening here in Massachusetts. I would uh, say the Boston Globe, um, the two big public radio stations, WBUR and WGBH, Um, GBH being more than a radio station, and full disclosure, I am part of what they do. I think the TV stations have done a good job. Um, and, And those are the organizations that have really dedicated themselves to covering this as well as they can. Now, individual journalists everywhere are being absolutely heroic in their coverage of this. Uh, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, they're working for news organizations that just keep cutting. And so you could say people at the Boston Herald are doing the best that they can, but there are just very few of them at this point. Uh, You could say that out in the suburbs. So we're really not getting the kind of coverage away from the city uh, that we really need. Uh, In my community, we're kind of reliant on the mayor's uh, Facebook page and um, various stories that are going around on Facebook. Uh, our uh, chain owned weekly is doing some coverage, but they're not doing enough. And I, we're I seeing. Don't even,
1: yeah. I don't even know that
2: your local, <clears throat> in your community, if there's even a dedicated reporter
1: anymore just to that town. I, I think that, that they've got a reporter covering about half a dozen communities.
2: Yeah, we do not have a full-time reporter for our community, um, although they have been able to get some coverage in. Uh, We're seeing devastating cuts to local news uh, in the Boston area and around the country. So the national and regional picture is pretty good, but the local picture is a lot shakier. And then, frankly, the last point I think that has to be made about the COVID-19 coverage is just the constant stream of disinformation being put out by Fox News. Um, And and that has just, you know, you've got 40% of the country hanging on every word that they say, and they're just putting out news that is plain wrong. Uh, In many cases, echoing President Trump, in other cases, goading him on. Uh, There was a story in the New York Times just today that it was really some of the Fox News people who've been pushing the president to cut off funding to the World Health Organization. I mean, that's just irresponsible journalism.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought <clears throat> I thought they may have reached their they, they may have not. It's not a peak. It's a valley. I thought they may have reached their low quite a few weeks ago when they were promote essentially promoting the inexpensive flights to, to Florida on Fox and Friends uh, you know when they were still in the full-on denial phase but so much has happened since then. Kaya what do you think I, I know you, you you do a good job of sort of calling out individual stories and journalists when you see something that's really really good. Yeah I've been um
0: I've been Incredibly impressed with just how much reporters have been stepping up. You know, to, to Dan's point, that this is these are tough times, um, and we forget that by virtue of every reporter that goes to a hearing um, at the state house, or uh, not a hearing, but a press conference of the governors, whether it's at the state house or out in the community, um, Mayor Walsh's uh, press conferences, that you know they are essentially putting themselves out there. Um, and without it, we would be lacking. Um, I know that, you know, just statehouse news, for example, every time I call, someone picks up the phone right away. Um, And the amount of news that is coming out, you know, just out of the statehouse right now, whether it's from the legislature or the governor, um, it's, I feel like a lot of reporters have said it's kind of like drinking out of a fire hose right now. Um, And they're really keeping up. With their game, we've also seen TV stations adapt um, in really innovative ways. You know, uh, reporters and are streaming from Zoom from their from their homes. Uh, interviews are being done via video conference and in in new ways. And it's been encouraging to see how all these organizations have said, "Okay, we have to stop, figure out how to adapt, and keep moving." Forward in order to deliver this news coverage, um, and that means the good, bad, and and the mundane sometimes, but all of it's really important. Um, and it's been, I think that that's been encouraging uh, to know that come you know come hell or high water, we're gonna there are these organizations, and particularly here in Massachusetts, I think we are very fortunate that have said we will we will prevail. We have a job to do. And a mission. Um, and that's that's been really helpful, I think, to us as as citizens.
2: I, I agree. And th- th- the thing about this is, uh, we could all just come up with a lengthy list of news organizations that are doing the best they can under incredibly mm-hmm. trying circumstances. And I certainly don't mean to leave anybody out. Um, there are some independent uh, news organizations out in the suburbs that are still doing a good job. There are there were places like the uh, Dorchester Reporter and the Bay State Banner. But in terms of um, fairly large organizations doing comprehensive coverage, uh, there were really just a handful. And if you go to other parts of the country, there isn't even that.
0: Yeah. And wouldn't, yeah, I think one of the things that we've seen come from all of this is that industries or organizations that were already struggling a little bit for any number of reasons before this pandemic have really been exacerbated. Um, And I think the local local media is just one example of that, but certainly not the only one that industries and and businesses that were seeing a decline for any number of reasons prior to this uh, have gotten there a lot faster
2: we were in a local news crisis even before this happened
1: exactly oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah and this is this is exacerbated at uh, i mean significantly that's for sure excellent observations we're talking to Dan Kennedy Northeastern University professor media critic with media media nation um longtime <clears throat> panelist wgbh beat the press Dan and Cayenne, let's just talk about as we as we uh uh, steer the plane in, um, how people are experiencing uh, this <clears throat> uh, self-isolation on their own terms and in their own lives, and also the level of uh, of discourse about it on any given day, usually on social media, often on Facebook and elsewhere. And um, you know, I, I think I'm like a lot of people. We're in my household, my family. We're keeping our heads down, staying in, staying home, working, doing the remote schooling thing um trying to limit activities but you know i i i, I i'm in a habit of you know certain items you know uh, maybe just from commuting back and forth to work many years it, it pick up a, a couple of your favorite soft drinks every day or and, and and my wife was like don't do that you know let's go shopping we have to go shopping and stay in and, and then she had a uh social distancing uh, you know catch up with a friend in the driveway by, you know, 15 feet apart. I'm like, yeah, that's fine, I guess. But how important is that? But other than that, I think we're doing what most people in Massachusetts feel is the right thing. But there are still varying levels of uh, intensity related to that. And there's also a lot of debates and discussion. Dan, I've seen some of them emerge on your Facebook feed. You know, you ask a question about, gee, I'm running, should I wear a mask? And uh, you know, how close is too close? And, and you know, a lot of people are are saying, do I really have to di- disinfect every every bag of groceries? <clears throat> you know, what are your thoughts on that? And, and sort of <clears throat> how, how are you experiencing the varying levels of seriousness? People take these important social distancing measures.
2: Oh, man, it's uh, it it. It ends up being a firestorm every time I bring up the subject. Um, I have to say, I have been adjusting my behavior almost by the day, and um, I'm still going out running. I'm still doing it without a mask because, frankly, I can't breathe if I'm wearing a mask, Um, although I certainly wear one into stores and things like that. Uh, But, you know, what I'm doing is I'm staying away from places where people congregate. I'm Uh, going out on routes where you see very few people, and I can give them a very wide berth, I feel like I want to give them 15 or 20 feet. And where I've been going, I've been able to do that. And, um, you know, personally, I feel like I'm taking all the guidelines very seriously. Uh, Social distancing, uh, wear a mask when you can't do social distancing, uh, wash my hands, and, uh, you know, some people really feel like that's not good enough, but uh, I'm going to follow the guidelines. And if the guidelines change, I'll change. Uh, beyond that, I think you can just drive yourself crazy with this. And I don't want to do that.
1: It's a good policy. Kay, how about you? Um,
0: I think I've certainly week after week gotten more stringent uh, with the guidelines and following in the first week or two, I was more casual about going to the store. went probably a couple times in a week as, you know, realizing things that you needed. Now I'm at the point where it's like once a week um, and that's it. And if we run out of something before then, that's, that's just what it is. I did a big, uh, big target run yesterday. That was exciting, but I just had them bring it out to my car and, um, and put it in the in the trunk and I never interacted with the person whatsoever. And only in the last couple of weeks I've gotten no point of like wiping down my groceries and things like that. I think the problem is that there's so many mixed messages about what's effective and what's not, that people are wondering what precautions they really need to take or should take. I'm getting to the point of I'm just erring on the side of caution across the board. And that seems to be working yeah. for me. And for the most part, I I just don't leave the house. I mean, I'm with Dan, though. I've gone for, you know, when I've gone for a run, I don't wear a mask. I just make sure that there's enough space between me and whomever I may pass by on the street. Because running with a mask is just, it's just not feasible for me.
2: It's not feasible for me either. But, you know, you, you you just have to be smart about it. I mean, I would always like to head over to the Minuteman bikeway. Uh, I'm staying far away from there because it's a complete zoo over there, and you can't social distance, and I just think it would be irresponsible to try to uh, make use of that. by the way, I was talking to a student last night who told me she has literally not left her apartment since March eleventh and I said, "How are you eating And <laughs> she said, "Well, I'm almost out of food, so I guess she'll have to go out soon but uh Good Lord.
1: Yeah, yeah I, that, I, I, that's I, a commitment. That's tough. It's a commitment. A lot of people are doing that. And, and that, that you know, I, I respect that. I, I don't know if I can do that. But, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, we're in the house most of the time. We, we all probably could have benefited from some simple guidance about a month and a half ago that, hey, you know, put a scarf on your face, wear, you know wear, wear a handkerchief. And as opposed to the back and forth on, you know, don't use the mask, medical. You know, we didn't have to use medical masks. We could have just worn a scarf. But either way, I'm am I'm, I'm glad the guidance has been more clear. Yeah. Um. All right, Dan Kennedy. Thanks so much for joining us again on O A on air during our remote uh, ice uh, social distancing series. And we appreciate it. We'd love to have you back. Thanks for thanks having me Dan. on.
3: Guyane.
0: hi tom how are you
3: two minutes with cayenne it's great to be with you dear. i'm fine i'm fine
0: Two minutes doing, with we, 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 does we. not have the same ring to it as two minutes with tom we've discussed this
3: this is a bi-coastal discussion i love it you're on the west coast with your family because your husband's mm-hmm. out there working and you're working remotely with o'neill and associates it's
0: i great. am it's great yeah hey it's amazing what you could accomplish with a good uh with a good wi-fi connection it's,
3: it's, it is amazing actually and you know th- this is going to be transformative as we've been saying this whole pandemic episode and what it's done to society and what the new normal is going to appear to be like and uh, mm-hmm. this is going to be more normal i think than people realize working remotely and, and and conversing back and forth the way we're doing it anyway topics of discussion for the week are
0: well we've had, it's been a busy it's been a busy week um you know we had uh, the president uh, yesterday uh, talk about his phased plan for reopening America um, also deferring to governors which a week ago he was saying he was not going to do uh, Mayor Walsh spoke to the chamber of Bo- um the Boston chamber this week and talked a little bit kind of gave some some thoughts on his plans or what he thinks Boston will look like in the in the near future so yeah. you know I don't It seems that we're not there yet, but it does seem people are eager to start talking about it.
3: Well, I think we've yet to completely peak in Massachusetts, and what's fascinating to me is I think we're the 11th most populated state, Um, but we have the third highest number of cases of coronavirus, and I think the third highest number of deaths due to the virus as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So while we're peaking, and... Other folks around the country are talking about reopening. You know, the, the president's not completely wrong. I mean, he's, he, he is desperately trying to get the economy back on track. Um, I, I think he's gone from being the the, the all enlightened Oz to uh, being more understanding as to what the governor's rights are. The fact that we have, you know, we have various regions of the country that are doing better than others. Um, and it, it's right in, in a very slow, methodical, thought out manner to try to open up some aspects of our society and our economy to get people back to work, to get people out of the house, and to uh, and to get them back to some degree of nom- of normalcy, if you will. Uh the how we do it though is a is is a trick act. The balancing is going to have to be done very data data driven and uh, we're gonna to have to watch it very, very closely.
0: And that was that was something that Mayor Walsh um, spoke a lot about when questioned about when is Boston going to be ready? Uh, you know, what are the next steps? He just really kept going back to, and the governor has as well. This is all about the data. We can't make any real decisions until we have numbers, until we have a better grasp on testing. Um, on tracking, which uh, Governor Baker is I, the, the first, if not still the only, who has deployed this team of people out there trying to trace uh, the virus and, and who has come in contact. So right. certainly a lot of strides being made here. Well, I
3: think when people sit back and they're, they're watching the electics, they're asking themselves questions about, about this pandemic, the effect that it's had on their families isolated, their families if they've had the virus, their families if they've been hit with the passing of a loved one. The, mm-hmm. um, the, the questions are, am I sending my kids back to school if the testing isn't there, if the vaccine isn't there? They're asking themselves, am I going to go to a restaurant anytime soon? Am I going to go to a bar? <clears throat> there are some things we can do. I mean, we can put protocols in place to make, you know, the, <clears throat> the game of golf a safer thing to do if everybody plays by the same protocols, but to Mm -hmm. say to, to, but to say to the public, we're going to open the beaches when the weather gets warm, knowing how we fill beaches up makes no sense to me. Uh, Not right now, not before testing and not before the vaccine is available. Um, I, I think it's important. The other thing I think we have to watch is we're all talking about it being data driven. We've discovered over the last 24 hours that my daughter Lee had this back in February <clears throat> Excuse me. And we didn't realize it.
0: Really?
3: Didn't realize it. And we thought she had a terrible flu, which lasted for 12 or 14 days. And then she got tested in New York by some doctor friends of hers. <clears throat> and, they, and they discovered that she did, in fact, have COVID-19. And is she okay
0: now? She's <clears throat> feeling okay?
3: No, she's feeling much better. She's feeling much better. But I, I think... I think as 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 much of an anomaly as that might sound, I, I don't think it is. I, I think we have a lot of people out there, especially younger people who were under the weather, didn't quite know what they had, and were never calculated into the data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of work. Uh, so before we open schools, before we open playgrounds, before we open places, where people can go and congregate in great numbers, I, I, I think was, there's a degree more more work to be done. What the mayor did say at the Chamber of Commerce, and I found it fascinating. He said it's going to be a very slow rollout economically to get people back to work. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if we send the younger folks into work first yeah, and yeah, allow yeah. that to take place and keep the older folks at home who are more susceptible to the virus. Um, yeah, it just, it was, it was a throwaway line, but not quite. I think everybody heard it and was taken aback saying, you know, the new normal is gonna be very, very different. It
0: is. And we don't know what it is yet. Or when.
3: Or when, or, or when.
0: We're making
3: we have the an idea, We have an idea of how it spreads. It's a dangerous spread uh, because you can be asymptomatic, and you can be carrying and you can be meeting with people and giving them the disease and and doing it without knowing a thing mm-hmm. and doing it without knowing a thing it's um it's a hideous hideous horrific virus anyway we'll be talking a lot more about this in the, in the weeks to come i i promise you
0: i'm 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 sure and we before we sign off i do have to Uh, reiterate, we spoke about this briefly earlier today. Uh, This week in 1952, Tip O'Neill of Cambridge announced he would be running for the congressional seat vacated by JFK and began a campaign for the Senate.
3: And so Jack Kennedy decided in 1952 that he was going to be a candidate for the U.S. Senate. He ran against Henry Cabot Lodge. He defeated him. um, And a week after he had made his announcement for Campaign to run for the Senate. My father decided, as Speaker of the Massachusetts Legislature, to be the candidate to run to succeed Jack Kennedy in Congress in the what was then the Eighth Congressional District. Um, that's a long time ago, and I can't. Where did where did you find that? Where did you find that historic tidbit?
0: Um, it came from a website called Mass Moments. Really? Uh, but I am not responsible for finding it. I believe Hugh Drummond in our office tracked okay. it Okay.
3: And it found its way to our website and to all things social of media. Of course. <laughs> Have a good Thank week.
0: You, Tom. I'll Have talk a good to week. you.
3: Thanks Best for everything. Jelly. Okay. Bye bye.
0: On behalf of all of us here at O'Neill & Associates, we hope you and your families are staying safe and healthy. We're proud to continue our work during this time and we'll continue doing everything we can to keep you updated. For daily city, state, and federal updates on the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, please check out our website where updates are posted every morning. Talk to you next week.